Okay, here we go. We're going to Genesis. Genesis, the beginning of it. We're going to go Genesis 2 and 5. All right. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, verse 6, springs came up from the ground and watered the land. Side note, if you're in a dry place, don't get nervous. God has water in places that you can't even see. If you don't see it coming down, he might have it coming up from underneath you. And he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now we're going to go back to Genesis 1 and 26. Then God said, say God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Say image, likeness. Image, likeness. And they will reign. Say reign. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I know it's a little bit of controversy in our society. Who's who today? But who did God make? Male and female. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Hello, governor. And rain. Say rain. Now put some church on it. Say rain. Rain. All right, Baptist folk. All right. So I want to talk to us today for a little while on the topic of rain. Rain. Three points that I want to bring out to you today. Number one, position. Number two, perspective. And number three, possession. Position, perspective, possession. Position, perspective, possession, all under the topic of rain. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. Father, I ask that you would speak through me today. I ask that you would soften every hard heart that is in this room today. I ask that you would speak and minister to every broken person, every wounded person, every sick person, every broken home, every disease minister today in this house. We give you all the credit in advance, and we all said amen. Amen. So God created us in his image. So what is image? Image is a shadow or an outline or a representation of. Say represent. We are supposed to be God's representative. We are supposed to be God's ambassadors, his representative here on the earth. It's a humble prayer to say, God, uh, none of me and all of you. But in the beginning, before he had us, God already had all of him and none of us. And he didn't like it, so he made us. And so a better prayer to pray is, God, I want me covered by all of you. And so God has placed us here on the earth to be representatives of him. God has sent us out, given us authority. He has deputized us. He has authorized us to bring heaven down to earth. So everywhere I go and everywhere you go, it is my responsibility. It is your responsibility not to just sit there and take up space, not to just go in undercover, 
but to be there and in your measure of rule and your sphere of influence for heaven to come down to earth. In your house, in your hood, on your job, in this city, in your family, wherever you get the opportunity to be and have influence. It is your job and my job to bring heaven down to earth. We are supposed to represent God. If we were to ask your coworkers how well you represent God, what would they say? Don't answer. They might say, this person is full of love, or this person is the hatefulest doggone person I ever saw. When everybody else is, is talking about folk in the break room, are you joining in? Ooh. Or are you representing God? It is our job to represent Christ because we are made in his image and we are supposed to represent him. Say represent. Look at your neighbor and say represent. Then he has made us in his likeness. All right. Likeness means likeness. All right. It's like looking in a mirror. You know, you can look at God and say, my God, how great you are. And because he made you in his image and likeness, he looks back at you and says, how great you are. And you look at the Lord and say, God, you're awesome. And he looks at you and he sees himself in you and he says, you're awesome. And you look at God and say, God, you're powerful. And he looks back at you and says, well, since I see you in me, uh, you're powerful. And scripture says that he has given us power over all the power of the enemy. Now, if you break it down, down, down just a little bit in the Greek form of it, Those two word powers, they mean two different things. The first word power means authority. The second word power means ability. So he says, I have given you, I have authorized you to be my ambassador, my representative. I have given you authority over all the ability of the enemy. So let me break it down like this. You have the ability to drive 75 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. My wife does it a lot. She shoots out of our driveway like it's the Indy 500. Look, doesn't she? <laughs> All right? You have the ability uh, to drive 75 in a 35. But the policeman, the sheriff... He has got the authority to shut it down. So the enemy, Slewfoot, Beelzebub, the devil, he has the ability to send sickness your way, to send depression your way, to try to attack your self-confidence. But God has given you the authority to shut that joker down. And so you can't just sit there like a punching bag when the enemy comes at your mind. You better say something and shut that thing down. When the devil comes to you trying to, to, to make you think that, that your kids are going to end up crazy and not serve the Lord, you better shut that thing down. When the devil comes to you saying, did God really say that you could run the company, you could really start that business, you better shut that thing down. When he comes to you and tries to say, you know what? Your grandmama was a diabetic. Your mama was a diabetic. You going to be a diabetic. Your baby going to be a diabetic. Your grandbaby's going to be a diabetic. You better shut that thing down. 
There's some sleeping giants in this room that need to wake up and realize that God is on the throne, that he reigns, he sits up high, but he looks down low, and he's authorized me, and he's authorized you to reign. You looking at God, God's looking back at you, saying, I've given you the authority. I've given you the ability. What you going to do about it? Hey, say rain. Scripture says, greater works than these shall you do. It's our job to bring heaven down to earth. Now, it's very easy for us to live a lifestyle always trying to grab out, always trying to reach out, thinking that everything we need is, is, is just around the corner or, or it's, it's going to become around the bend, all right? When in reality... It's already in you. Look, all right? In the beginning, when he created Adam and Eve, okay, it says God created them, male and female. We don't see the female right off, but it's in Adam. There are things inside of you right now. You don't see it, but God put it in there. You may not see everything you need, but it's in there. You may not see the eloquent speaker, but it's in there. You may not see the powerful man of God that you are, but it's in there. You may not see the peacemaker that you need to be on your job, but it's in there. You may not see the creativity that you need, but it's in there. Everything you need is in there. Eve, what God wanted him to have was already inside of him. He looked at the first day, said good. Looked at the second day, said good. Third day, good. Fourth day, good. Fifth day, good. Sixth day, good. And then he looks at Adam and said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he looked at Adam and he said, Adam, we're going to fix this thing. Lay down. I want you to rest. And what the enemy wants you to do is go into turmoil. He wants you to start freaking out. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to rest so he can birth out of you what he placed on the inside of you. Before the children of Israel went to cross the Red Sea, Moses had to tell them because they were freaking out for good cause. Moses had to tell them, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You got to stand still. If the enemy's coming at you with all kind of mess, you got to stand in a place of rest, in a place of peace. The enemy is after your peace. It's in that restful place that the greatest stuff can come out of you that God already put inside of you. You'd be surprised what is sitting inside of you right now, right now. You waiting for 2018 and it's in there right now. You waiting for fall, and it's in there right now. You waiting for 2017, January 1, for midnight to click over, and it's in you right now. The business is in there right now. The promotion is in there right now. The money that you need, the ability to get the money and resources that you need is in you right now. Say, don't wait. Don't wait. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared. It's already done. It's already prepared on the inside of you. You may not see it, but it's there. Scripture says, I wish above all things that you be in health and prosper. What's the clicker? Even as your soul, it starts on the inside. It begins on the inside. Your soul is prosperous on the inside, so it can manifest on the outside. Scripture says... 
Scripture says that the heavens open over you after the fountains of the deep are broken open inside of you. The fountains of the deep break open inside of me, and then something shifts and happens on the outside. Say it starts on the inside. So we have this blessed man and woman of God, Adam and Eve, who are made in image and likeness. God places this power couple, okay? Jay-Z and Beyonce didn't have nothing on Adam and Eve, y'all. And so he places this power couple in this incredible, incredible environment called the Garden of Eden. And in this garden, we're going to go to verse 8. Then the Lord God planted the garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground. God's got a thing for trees, y'all. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. And a river flowed out of the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing it into four branches. Now, this is unusual. There was a river in the place that God placed his representatives. Here's this blessed couple, and he places them in a blessed place. Blessed couple, blessed place. Blessed person, blessed place. All right? You may not think your surroundings are blessed, but because you're there, they're blessed. Okay? So he places them in the Garden of Eden. Now, this is unique, okay? There is a river flowing out of the Garden of Eden. And when it comes out of the garden, then it breaks off into four rivers. Now, this is unusual because most of the time in earth today, it's backwards from that. Most of the time, there are streams and other sources of water that contribute to a river, to make it a river. But in this case, in the Garden of Eden, it began in the garden and then split off instead of other sources. I need this, I need this, I need this. There was one source in the garden And then it split off because in him we live and move and have our being. Everything I need, I find in him. And we see this in the original place, in the Garden of Eden. And so it splits off into four rivers. Would you like to know more about the rivers? Say yes. All right. The first river, Pishon. That's a good name to name your baby. It sounds like somebody's name. He's like, no, it's not. No, don't, don't, don't. It's my baby, Pashana, y'all. Means increase and fullness. So the first break off that comes out of the blessed place, flowing out of where we are, all right? The first river that flows out is increase and fullness. How's that sound? The second river, Gihon, means bursting forth and gushing. So we have fullness, and then we have overflow. The third river, which is uh, Hideko, also known today as the Tigris River, means swift and darting. It's actually a word picture of an arrow in flight. Not an arrow that's in the quiver, not an arrow that's in your pocket, not an arrow that's laying on the ground, but an arrow that is in flight, okay? Well, before an arrow takes flight, what happens? There's a target in mind. There is a purpose to where that arrow is going. So the third river, out of it is flowing purpose. So the first river, we have a fullness. The second river, we have a overflow. And the third river, we have purpose. The fourth river, which is the Euphrates, 
out of it, it means sweet and fruitful. God has commanded us, notice in the beginning, to be fruitful. But God never commands something of you that he hasn't already given you. I would never tell our seven-year-old daughter to get up on the roof and re-shingle the roof. That's something she can't do, all right? But I would say, go make your bed. I would say, get daddy the remote. That's one of my favorites, (laughs) all right? I would only ask of my children, being a good father, something that they were capable to do. So when God says, be fruitful, multiply, govern, and reign, it's something that God has already given you. So from where you are is supposed to be flowing fullness, overflow, purpose, and fruitfulness. So we're pretty blessed, y'all. This is a done deal. This is what God has already given us. This is what he's already put inside of us and placed us in a blessed place. Can you say amen? So if God has already hooked us up, and given us the ability and the authority to reign, then what is the issue? Well, this is how it works. If I'm already blessed, if I'm already fighting from, living from, worshiping from, giving from, loving from victory, instead of trying to get to victory, if it's already a done deal— then what the enemy has to do is try to lure me, entice me, convince me out of my place of blessing. He has to try to come to you and get you to move out of your place of authority. All right, so let's take a look at the enemy for a moment. The enemy originated in heaven. He was an angel, y'all, and he was a bad mamma jamma. He was the original worship leader. Scripture says that his body was made up of instruments, and it was covered, covered in precious stones. This dude, this dude made Prince and Michael Jackson look like Steve Urkel, y'all. This was a bad dude, but something happened in him, and he had a shift. He flipped, and he no longer wanted to be one with God. He wanted to be number one. And so God said, I can't let this much power reign with me. Hey, ho, you got to go. And he kicked him out. And so what he does now, Scripture says, is that he goes around to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. All right? So all the time, while you sleep, the enemy is still working. When you're on date night, the enemy is still working. When you're in the movie with all your friends and you sit next to your boo with popcorn like, hey, the enemy is still working. All the time. He never stops. And he has been doing it for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. He is very good at what he does. All right? But the devil is a liar. Now, Scripture gives us uh, a glimpse of what he does. It says he goes around as a roaring lion. He's not a lion, okay? God is the lion of the tribe of Judah. There's some, some King James for you, okay? He's not a lion, but he goes around impersonating like an, a bad Elvis impersonator, all right? And he goes around impersonating a lion. And so what he does is he roars, Scripture says. 
Well, in the natural, what happens in the wild is when the lion spots out that weak one. That's why being connected is so important. That's why being in life teams is so important. That's why coming together and gathering together on a Sunday morning when the saints come together is so important. All right? The enemy wants to pick you off. And once the, the lion has it picked off, what he does is, is then he will let out this fierce roar. All right? And what it does is, is it paralyzes his prey. And they can't move. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants to roar loud to you, business owners, and get you worried about the books, get you worried about the clientele. He wants to row loud at you, to roar loud at you, and get you fearful. Oh, the headaches are coming back. Oh, does that mean that the disease is coming back? He wants to roar loud with you with high blood pressure. Blood pressure. He wants to roar loud at you to paralyze you with fear so you can't move so you can't worship so you can't pray so you can't declare the word of the lord he wants to paralyze you so you just stuck like this and can't do what a believer needs to do and can't take authority but the devil is a liar and we are not ignorant to his devices amen and so he goes around like a lion can you turn that organ up for me thank you i need to hear it and feel it too like y'all do and so what he does is he is a master deceiver. He's not, he's not creative. Only God is creative. So the enemy, he can't offer you anything good. What he has to do is take something ugly and paint it up to make it look good. All the devil can offer you is death. The wages of sin, the results of sin are death. So all he has to serve you, sir, and all he has to serve you, ma'am, is death. That's all that he can bring to you. And so he has to paint it up to make it look good, to make it look prosperous, to make it look fun. All right. And he knows how to dress it up real good. He dress it up just how you like it. He'll dress it up with a six foot two fine looking brother coming right to you to get you distracted. Oh, okay. He'll dress it up with a sister like a brick house. Bring her right to you to try to get you distracted. All right? He knows how to serve it up just how you like it. But it's like those, those billboard ads that you see when you're driving down the road, like those, those, those potato chip ads. You know, they got all these fine-looking skinny people up there eating the potato chips, you know, trying to paint it. You know, doggone good and well, that skinny girl has not had not a potato chip in three years. Those skinny people are not eating none of that, all right? He doesn't show you the high blood pressure that comes after all those bags of potatoes. Because once you pop, you can't stop, all right? And he doesn't show you that. So he has to paint it up real good. He's a master deceiver. And so the serpent, he comes to them in Genesis 3 and 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say? Now, let's stop for a moment because this is what the enemy will do to you. He will come to you and he will say, did God really say you could be happy? Did God really say you could be happily married? I mean, your mom and dad weren't happily married and your grandparents weren't happily married. I mean, he spent his life on the farm and she spent her life on the city. They never even hardly spoke to one another. Did God really say that you could be happily married? All right. Did God really say you could be blessed? Nobody in your family has a degree. Nobody in your family did anything but go to high school, and that's it. Nobody in your family went to college. Did God really say that you can be blessed? Did God really say that you can have divine health? And the enemy will come to you with the God, did God really say mess? And you need to put on your sheriff badge and tell him to get to stepping. <laughs> 
and he will come to you and he will give you a partial truth because the devil, he knows the word. He knows the word better than you do. You haven't picked up your Bible since last Sunday, twice removed. But the devil, he knows, he, oh, oh, he knows that you got to propping up the coffee table. All right, you got it on the back of the commode. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to start in Genesis, and I'm going to end up in. <laughs> I'm going to go over to, to the book of Job. <laughs> and then I'm going to go to the book of Tobacco, uh, Habakkuk. All right, and so the enemy comes and he says, does God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? And here's Eve's response. Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you're going to die. And here's what the enemy says. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. Now, the serpent was right. Her eyes would be opened when she ate it, but to the wrong thing. Knowing both good and evil, and the woman was convinced. Now, this woman in this moment had about as much fortitude and tenacity as a wet doggone piece of paper blowing in the wind. She responds back to him one time. Now, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Scripture says, and then he hungered. That lets me know he must have been more God than man because I'd have hungered the whole doggone time. Scripture says he fasted and then he hungered. And so then he is led by the Spirit to be tempted, okay? And the enemy comes to Jesus one time, and Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, not going to do it. Not going to turn this uh, stones into bread. He comes to him the second time, and and uh, the devil tries to get Jesus to commit suicide and jump off a tall building. And Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, not going to do it. Then the third time, the devil comes to him, and he goes straight to the point. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to quit playing. What I really want is your worship. What I really want you to do is bow down and worship me. I want your worship. I want you to value me. I want you to switch your heart's devotion and affection to me. And at that moment, when he got to the point and said, I want your worship, then Jesus said, get out of here. I mean, he dismissed him right on the spot right on the spot. And so we see Eve one time. She said, no, no, that, that's not what God said. Just playing with it. But Jesus was a much better example. He spoke back to the enemy every time. Some of you are so doggone sassy with your husband and with your kids, and you need to switch that and get sassy with the enemy. Some of you men, we really know how to talk a good game, but when the devil talks, we just follow him around like, okay, devil, you say that. Here I go. I'm going to follow you. And we need to begin to talk back to the enemy. Not with our own ideals, but Jesus quoted the word back to him. And we need to quote the word back to the enemy and say, nope, God said, and this is how it's going to be. And she saw that it was beautiful and looked delicious. And she wanted it for the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. She blew her diet and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. Lord... You know, folk, I always wanted you to go down with them. <laughs> then she gave them to, to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Now, we could throw shade at Eve, but where was the man? Where was the man? And in society today, we see the same thing. Where are the men? 
Where are the men being the spiritual leaders of the home? Where are we, fellas? We got to represent. I'm not saying you have to do that thing like T.D. Jakes. I'm not saying you have to be like Rod Parsley. I'm not saying you have to be Benny Hinn. But whoever you are, you need to be you in Christ and Christ in you. And take authority over your home. I'm not saying be ugly and, 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 and strong arm your wife and your kids, but I'm talking about be a godly man. My wife is a praying woman, but she's not going to outpray me. My wife is a worshiping woman, but she's not going to outworship me. I love God, and I'm going to lead my home. All right? And when my daughter comes to me and she says something that's kind of off, I'm not just going to say, well, baby, you just, you just, you just, whatever. No, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. All right, let me meddle for just a moment. You make your kids eat broccoli. You make them uh, get out of the road because there's traffic coming. But when it comes to church, well, I don't want to pressure them. I don't want to make them hate God. Get yourself and your kids in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. You talking about, well, I don't want to shove it down their throat. You make them brush the teeth because you don't want the teeth to fall out. Get them to the house of the Lord. I've never seen it work out. I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm trying to encourage you. All right. I grew up. All right. I did not grow up in a pastor's home, but we grew up to uh, close to our pastor. Okay. And the pastor had a lot of grandkids. All right. And the pastor's kids didn't want to make his kids uh, come to church. I don't want to make them hate it. I don't want to make them hate. I'm going to get them there for soccer practice. I'm going to get them there for ball practice, but I don't want to make them uh, hate. Get your kids to the house of the Lord, all right? I can tell you from experience, okay? When the house of the Lord was open, my mama had my tail in there. Thank you, Mama Deegan. Not one, not one of those grandchildren are serving the Lord today. They're serving other things. You can have the best of intentions. I want to give my kids all the things I didn't have. I want them to go to a great school, and I want them to go to dance, and I want them to have piano lessons. That's all fine well. But number one, you need to teach and train your children the way of the Lord. They could overcome a lot of obstacles that you had to smack yourself up against if you would let them know they reign right now. You reign right. I know you in the second grade, baby, but with love, walk in that classroom like you reign. I know you might feel like the minority, but walk in that kindergarten class like you reign. Walk into junior high. Walk into high school like you reign. I'm not better than you, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Tell your kids that they reign. Hallelujah. And so here's what happens. Genesis 3.22, and the Lord God said, behold, the man has become as one of us. So they ate the fruit. And Scripture says, and the Lord said, behold, the man has become as one of us. Now, this is different than image and likeness. In the beginning, he created us in image and likeness. But now we've had a shift, all right? Become as one of us now means to become number one. So instead of being as one with God, now I am number one. And the Greek word there means to make myself known. The first thing that we see happen, Adam and Eve, when they partake of the fruit, is now all of a sudden they got a self-awareness. 
I'm naked. They were naked before and, and must have been fine, didn't bother them, all right? And now, though, now they have a self-awareness. I am for two degrees self-help books and seven steps to a turnaround and 8.9 steps to get yourself to a breakthrough. But the number one thing you could do is to lose yourself, is to lay yourself on the altar and put your focus and attention on the Lord. I'm for marital counseling. Absolutely. After you went to the altar, after you have come up from off your knees, after you have spent some time in worship, because what you behold, you become. And when you get in a place of worship and you behold the goodness of the Lord, what you behold, you become. And when you worship God for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you get up from that place of sacrifice and worship and you have become more like him. Now your hateful self is not quite so hateful. Now your short-tempered self is not quite so short-tempered. Before you wanted to give everybody a piece of your mind, now you want to show love because you have been in a place and you have been beholding God, and now you are more like Him because you have forgot about yourself and you've been focusing on God. If you're having trouble in your marriage, worship. If you're having trouble with your children, worship. If you've got trouble on your job, worship. And you will get up from that place of worship more like God. Less of you and more like God in your character and your nature. If your grace has run out for your teenager, worship. If your grace has run out for your spouse, worship. And you will get up from that place more like God and equipped. And so what happens is, is in from the beginning, they turn from a oneness with God to a oneness with self. It's interesting when Eve was partaking of the tree. Of all the trees that we hear about, there are two trees that are named specifically. Two, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Both of these trees were in the middle of the garden. Where was Eve when she was partaking of the tree of, the, of good, of, of knowledge, uh, the knowledge of good and evil? Where was Eve when she ate the fruit? She was in the middle of the garden when the enemy showed up. Where was Eve when the enemy showed up? In the middle of the garden. There were two trees that were named. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Two trees named in the Garden of Eden. Both of them were in the middle. That means that Eve was more than likely just as close to the tree of life, the tree that she could eat from. She was probably just as close to the tree of life as she was to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why is it then, if she was in the middle of the garden where both trees were, then we see the devil show up? Because it is when then you are closest to your breakthrough. It is when you are closest to God elevating you to the next level. Then that's when the enemy is going to come to you and try to distract you, try to get your attention off of your purpose, off of your destiny, off of your family, off of your marriage, off of your children, off of your health, off of your promise, off of your breakthrough. And he wants to get you to shift your attention away from the place of blessing. Two trees in the garden. 
God says you can eat from all of them but one. Both of those trees of life and of knowledge of good and evil right there in the middle. She was just as close to elevation, to breakthrough, to eternal life. This thing is a discovery, y'all. It's a discovery. God wants you to seek him out. Seek and you will find. They were on a journey in that garden, and she was very close to a breakthrough of eating that tree when the enemy showed up to her. It is when you are so close. It is always the darkest before the dawn. It is when you are so close that all hell can break loose in your life. It is when you are so close to getting to the next level, to the next step, that the enemy is going to break something loose in your life. It is when you are so close to prosperity, to resources like you've never known before, when the enemy is going to come to you and try to make you think of lack and see lack. It is when your business is going to another level that the enemy wants to come to you and try to make business bad, so you'll start doubting and start questioning. It is when you are almost ready to get a promotion on your job, in your career, that the enemy is going to come to you and try to distract you by something going wrong on your job. It's when you're so close. And some of you are so close to the next level, to the next place in God. That is why you have been encountering the attacks from the enemy like you have been encountering. That's why people on your job were fine, but all of a sudden, several months ago, they kicked it up and started acting crazy. That's why your children are starting to act a fool, because you are so close, and the enemy is trying to distract you because he knows how close you are. He knew how close they were from the beginning. He says, I better show up. I better show up. It was when Jesus, he had been living uh, mostly in private, and Jesus is getting ready to step into his place of public ministry. And he's baptized by John. And all of a sudden, we have this supernatural demonstration, this marker of this shift in the ministry and life of Jesus. And we see the heavens open up. And, uh, and it appeared as a dove came down. And there was a voice from heaven that says, this is this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the dude. This is the guy that we've been waiting on right here. This is my beloved son. And what is the very thing that we see? The enemy comes to Jesus and say, did God really say? Did God really say? Trying to distract him, but Jesus knew right where to put him. So, he questions who we are because if he, the enemy can steal our identity, he can steal our worship. The devil knows who we are and who we can become. The question is, do you know who you are? Do you know who God has called you to be? Do you know who God has authorized and qualified you to be? Do you know? There's a, there's a, a movie in Disney fans in the room. Yeah, like my wife. Okay, that's cool because we roll together. So I love Disney. You love Disney. Okay. And so there's this, uh, y'all know Peter Pan, right? The story of Peter Pan. Okay, so there was a movie that came out. Disney didn't do it, but it was from that same storyline called Hook. Anybody see that movie Hook? Like came out and then, all right, Ed, came out, came out. Okay. And so here's the deal. We see Peter Pan, all right, who was this uh, amazing young man who could fight like a G with a sword. He could fly. He could crow. But we see life fast forward, and Peter Pan has forgotten who he is. And so there is a need in the land. And so they go searching for the one who is able to fulfill that need. And when they go to find him, this brother done forgot who he is. 
Now he's out of shape. He can't fight with the sword, can't even hold the sword. He sure enough can't fly. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, what's that fairy's name? Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell, she said, I know that it's you. I know that it's you because you got that smell about you. You got that smell of a fight on you. You got that smell of a flight on you. You got that smell of a thousand fun summers on you. And God is looking at you and say, you got the smell of an overcomer. God is looking at you saying, now your time has come. I have need of you now. They're looking for you, Peter Pan. They're looking for you to pick up your sword and to take flight. We have need of you. The Lord has need of you to go to the next level. But the enemy has come and tried to talk you out of who you are. So you made a mistake. The promises of God are yes and amen. What he authored, he wants to finish in you. So you messed up. That's all right. The blood is more than enough to cover your mistake. God is looking at you saying, don't you know who you are? We need you in this day, in this hour, for such a time as this. We need what you have on the inside of you. And you got the smell of a winner on you, baby. You got the smell of a fighter on you. You got the smell of a victor on you. You got the smell of somebody that can bring breakthrough on you. You got the smell of somebody that can lead the people on your job to Christ on you. You got the smell of peace on you. You got the smell of victory on your life. Yeah! There's some sleeping giants in this room. You may not be Peter Pan. You may be Mary. You may be Bob. You may be Joe. You may be Elton. You may be John. But there's a smell on you of victory. And somebody needs to remember who you are. Jesus paid way too big a price for you to live your life defeated. Your father gave way too much up. He came down from his throne in heaven where everything was fine and he came down and he took on your sin and he took on my sin and they hung him high stretched him wide and he did it so you could have the victory stop sitting around with your hands in your pocket get out your sword spread your wings and begin to fly baby you got so much victory already on the inside of you and you've given the devil too much room you've given the devil too much access you've opened up just a little too much room for the devil to come in some of you need to get on your boot you need to write the devil name on the bottom of your boot and because that's where he belongs is under your feet he doesn't belong on your shoulder baby telling you who you're not reminding you of all the mistakes that you've made he doesn't belong in your ear he doesn't belong in your heart he belongs under the sole of your foot write his name there put it on the floor say that's where you belong i got greatness on the inside of me i got creativity on the inside of me i got potential on the inside of me i got breakthrough on the inside of me i got a new job on the inside of me i got soul winning on the inside of me i got peace on the inside of me shout yeah I pray some sleeping giants are waking up in this service this morning. 
Some of you have switched to Presbyterian. You need to wake up Pentecostal folk and switch that thing on. You know, skinny jeans are in. Yes and amen. But so is prayer. Prayer still works. Shut up, devil. Fasting still works. Shut up, devil. There are some things that are old school, but prayer is still in style. Worship is still in style. Fasting is still in style. Shouting the name of Jesus is still in style. The blood of Jesus is still in style. Red is still in fashion, baby. You need to start pleading the blood of Jesus over yourself, over your house, over your family, over your destiny, over your neighborhood, over your job. Start speaking up and plead the blood of Jesus. You look good in red. So do your children. So does this neighborhood. So does this city. Plead the blood. I got one more. You can be seated. We read in word, in the word, a man by the name of Mephibosheth. He is the, what a name, Mephibosheth, right? Don't take that name for your baby, all right? Mephibosheth, all right? And he is the grandson of the king. See, what had happened was, all right, Saul was the king, all right? And because he didn't have a repentant heart, he got booted out. He became one with himself instead of one with God. And so he got booted out, and a new king came in. Some people, God's going to move out the way. They're more qualified than you, but because you're one with the Father, he's going to slip you in because he's tired of their mess. And so what happened was there was a grandson named Mephibosheth, and he was living down in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar was a trash heap. It's where the city of Beaumont took all the junk, took all the garbage, and they took it out there, and they dumped it. That's where an heir to the throne was living. That's where the lineage and bloodline of a king was living, was in a trash heap. David takes the throne and says, is there anybody of royal blood that needs to be in this household? And David sends folk out to start looking. Is there anybody related to Saul? Is there anybody related to Saul? Is there anybody with royal blood in their veins? And I feel that the Father is doing that this morning. He is sending out a search party looking for you. The devil has deceived you into thinking you're less than who you really are. But you got royal blood flowing through your veins, child of God. You got royal blood flowing through your veins, baby. And the Lord is sending out a search party looking for you this morning. And so they go out and they find Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is living in a dump heap. Instead of living in the palace where there's more than enough and there's a plethora, he's living in a place of garbage. Some of us are doing the exact same thing. You are out of place. God is offering you the palace and you're living in the pit. And so he sends him out and he looks for him. He finds Mephibosheth. Now Mephibosheth was crippled in his legs, y'all, because when his, his nanny was running with him, fleeing, she dropped him and it left him crippled. Some of you have been dropped by people so bad it's left. Some of you have been dropped so bad that that's called speaking in tongues, y'all. Don't worry, it's in the word, okay? Some of y'all have been dropped so hard it has left you crippled and you're wounded from what they did to you. Wounded from what they said about you. Wounded from where you've been. Wounded 
shifted from where you came from. But the king is out with the search party saying, where my folk at? Where my folk at? Where my folk at? Where my, where's the blood bot? Where the children of the most high God? You got a place at the table. And so here was Mephibosheth, no doubt really self-conscious about his deformity, about his crippleness. But this is what I love. When Mephibosheth gets the invite, he goes to the palace. And when you go sit at the table of the king and everybody is sitting around the table, Mephibosheth's legs were up under the table. Scripture says that I will prepare a table for you even in the presence of your enemy. And when you pull your chair up to the table of the king like Mephibosheth, his crippleness was up under the preparation that God has made. Couldn't nobody see that Mephibosheth was a cripple when he was sitting in his rightful place. Sitting under the table, his legs were covered by the preparation of the Lord. If you will get yourself to the place where God wants you to be, to the place that he has already prepared for you, your crippleness, your inadequacies, your woundedness will be covered. Moses had a speech impediment, but when he got in the right place, God covered him. God covered him. And you need to get yourself to the table of the Lord. There's a search party out looking for you. There is a warrant for your arrest in the heavenlies. And if you will get yourself to the table of the Lord, you will be covered and nobody can see your mistakes and nobody can see your shame. Nobody can see where you've been and what you're going through. You might have been in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat, but you're not even going to smell like what you've been through. God has a way about him of working all things for your good. I know it was hard. I know it was tough. I know it was long. Get yourself to the table of the king and he's going to cover you. There are so many testimonies in this room and the great thing is and the amazing thing is you don't even look like all the stuff that you walk through because when God brings you out, baby, he brings you out. I know you look blessed, but don't get spiritual amnesia on me. You can remember what God did for you. Some of you God really brought out of a place. Some of you should have been behind bars. Some of you should have been dead. You shouldn't even be here right now. So don't get spiritual amnesia on me. Remember what the Lord has done for you when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. I can't be quiet. My soul, my soul, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Somebody take 10 seconds and thank him for where he brought you from. Thank you. Thank you. It should have killed me, but I'm still here. It should have taken me out, but I'm still here. It should have set me back, but I'm still here. Yay! Somebody give him a still here pray. Yay! So, I'm going to land the plane, y'all. I'm going to land the plane. It's 11.35. All the Baptist folk are beating us to the buffet. Hey. All right. I hope something is stirring up on the inside of you, man of God and woman of God, to take your rightful place at the table. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here's the deal. Being expelled from the garden was not the punishment. All right. Being expelled from the the garden was not the punishment. That was the blessing. I'll tell you why in just a second, okay? Scripture says that you the ground is now cursed because of what you have done. All right? It's amazing. The very thing 
that God brought Adam out of the dirt, then gave him dominion over because he took the bait of the enemy. Now he is having to serve the thing God brought him out of and gave him dominion over. Some of you, the place that God has brought you from, the devil keeps trying to get you to go back to that place. And if you're not careful, you can lose the place of dominion and surrender yourself, and you're going to be serving the thing that's supposed to be serving you. And the reason why God expelled them out of the garden, God says, now if they eat of the tree of life, they will live forever. Well, God told them before, you can eat from this tree. You can eat from all the trees but this one tree, meaning they could have still eaten from the tree of life. So why now is it a problem? If I could eat from the tree of life before, why can't I now? Scripture says if they eat of the tree of life, they will live forever. But now they are in a fallen state. Now man, humanity, has fallen out of oneness with me. And if they eat from the tree of life, then they're going to be that way forever. They're going to forever be one with themselves instead of one with me. They're forever going to be in a fallen state. So i got to remove them from the garden, put two angels with flaming swords by this tree because I love them so much. So just in case they get a bright idea to come back to this place, i got to block it so that thousands of years later I can bring another tree on the scene. And I'm going to send my son Jesus to hang on that tree. And once he hangs on that tree and they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth and receive him as their personal Lord and Savior, then they can have eternal life. Then they can taste of that tree. God is here this morning offering you eternal life. But you can't do it your way, baby. you got to come in oneness with the Father. Scripture says, I know the plans I have for you. He said he will give you the desires of your heart. Listen, he will give you the desires. Quit asking God to bless what you're doing and say, God, let me do what you're blessing. It is him who gives you the desire to begin with. And if God authored that thing, then you can take it to the bank. He's sure enough going to finish it. Sure enough going to finish it. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So how do we get back? How do we get back to a place of dominion? If you've walked away from God totally, or maybe you're still serving God, but you have relinquished dominion in in an area. Maybe you have given the devil your peace of mind. Maybe you have given him your joy. Maybe you've surrendered your peace to the enemy. Maybe you've given up on your family. The first thing, it starts with this good old-fashioned word called repentance. Repentance repentance. And it's interesting what repentance means. Repentance means a turning away from. So you're going to turn away from oneness with you, and you're going to turn to oneness with God. You're going to leave that place of your own ideas and your own agenda and self, 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 and you're going to repent and turn to God. The second thing that we need to do is bring ourselves into a place of rest. Scripture says, stand still, stand still, and then you will see the salvation of the Lord. Some of you have been freaking out over areas in your life. And God is wanting you to come back to a place of peace so he can lead you across that Red Sea like he did the children of Israel. The third thing that, he, that we can do to return ourselves back to a place of dominion is to worship. Worship, derived from two words. You hear me say it a lot. Worship meaning worth-ship. What you give worth to. What you so value to is going to ship 
take you somewhere. Very interesting passage of scripture when the children of Israel went in to, to spy on their promised land and they come back to give the report. Two men had it right. They saw it from God's perspective and they said, God can take us up into the land. The other spies said, they're too big, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. They had lost their dominion. And so the, the children of God began to freak out. And so, so the Moses and Aaron, they fell on their face and they began to worship. And it's interesting what happens. Before their worship, they say, God is able to take us up into the land. After they bowed on their faces and they worship, Scripture says their confession changed from not God will take us up, but God will take us in. It's amazing when you bow down in worship, humble yourself, and he will exalt you in due time. When you worship the Lord, your perspective and where you are changes. What was up and out of your reach, God elevates you to where now it's on the same level and he can take you in. Some of the stuff that seemed just a little out of your reach, too high for you, if you will, with a repentant heart, and worship the Lord. God is going to take you into things that were out of your reach. Can you say amen?